Welcome to episode four of the Screen Presence podcast. Our guest for this episode is Sheridan De Myers. Sheridan is the founder of Running Films, a production company based in London, making original content for TV and film. Sheridan's work has an underlying principle of support for people from black and minority ethnic communities and people experiencing difficult circumstances such as homelessness. The experiences which Sheridan shares in this episode offer up some simple but highly impactful ideas and examples which clearly describe how developing partnerships across sectors can so positively underpin working in this way. My co-host for this episode is Shakira Allen. Shakira and I first got in touch through her involvement with the excellent Arts Emergency, with whom she was looking to receive support and mentoring. Shakira explains more about this in this episode, and there's a link to the Arts Emergency website in the show notes. My thanks to Sheridan and Shakira for being part of the show, and here for you now is episode four of the Screen Presence podcast. Welcome to the Screen Presence podcast. My co-host for this episode is Shakira Allen. Hi, Shakira. Hi. Uh, Shakira, can you tell us a bit about yourself and what's brought you into the co-host's chair today? Yeah, sure. So I'm a, I'm Shakira. I'm a student actor and filmmaker currently studying English literature at the University of Cambridge, and I'm passionate about diversity and representation in the screen industries. Excellent. And how uh, could you explain to the listeners a little bit about how we became connected? Uh, so I was being mentored by your friend Ben through a, an organisation called Arts Emergency, which supports young people who want to forge a career in the arts and humanities. And before we introduce Sheridan, could you just explain a little bit more about Arts Emergency and what that process was like for you? Yeah, so I had to apply to re- receive a mentor um, for a particular sector. So I applied to get a musician mentor, but I've ended up doing more film related things. And that's how I met Ben and how I met you. Okay, brilliant. So for this episode, we'll be speaking with Sheridan DeMyers from Running Films about how his projects support opportunities for people from black and minority ethnic communities and people facing isolated and difficult circumstances. Hi, Sheridan. Hi, how you doing? Good, thank you. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Before we get into the work you do through Running Films, can you tell us a bit about how you got into filmmaking? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I, I started off as um, basically make kind of like DJing and sort of making music and DJing on pirate radio stations and stuff. And then, um, yeah, some of my friends, they were, you know, involved in sort of studying film at uh, college and school. And I was just like helping one of my mates like make a film. And then he just suggested you're quite good at this. And then um, I started to go to like an after school club with another friend of mine and acting club with the same friend and um yeah we're just doing it as like a laugh really um and then I was always creative because I was kind of I still love um I guess street art graffiti um with a group of friends some would call them a gang some would call them like you know just painting walls or painting trains etc and then um so yeah just use my creative skills and you know translate that into like film like with just shooting my friends and making all types of like little individual films and clips. And then, um, yeah, a few people see, saw those clips and they want me to shoot music videos for them. And then it just became from there. And, um, yeah, my passion became, I guess, my, um, my profession. Did you go and study film? Yeah, it was a little bit of both really. Um, 
I, I was studying it, but I think at the time when I was studying, I, I was still doing it as like fun, and it wasn't something that I wanted to pursue as a career. I wanted to um, work in radio, um, but that was quite difficult at the time. Um, and then, yeah, then I, I, I literally was doing a bit of both, like like DJing and um, uh, making films, and then um, assisted like um, quite a few people at sort of larger companies. Um, like at Ridley Scott and that, and working title films, and then you know just slide off like doing loads of short form um content, and then start creating my own um films and short films, and um kind of always had like a vision of sort of making sort of larger films, um but I didn't even know how I was going to get there. I didn't even know you know how I'm going to get funding or you know how I was going to do TV shows and all of that side of things that we do now um so it's just kind of um yeah we're just always in our heads even from when we're doing like short form and um the kind of genres we used to make uh, music videos for is always kind of in a genre that you know I felt comfortable in it's sort of um representing um people from um color people from um different backgrounds and races that are kind of um associated with me or associated in the demographic that I grew up in um you know I always say like if you want to write, write about what you know. Um, so I know about, you know, about sort of coming from a working class background. I know about sort of being uh, black and mixed heritage. I know about, you know, um, you know, being in a Catholic, Jewish, Muslim sort of area, you know. So I just wrote about things and sort of like to, like to create stories that represented that really um, and sort of try to break stereotypes along the way with it. So can you explain a little bit about the origins of running films? You've talked a little bit about it there. Um, how did you get started in f- forming a company? Yeah, I think, I think it, it's, it kind of came from, um, I, used to be get, I used to be represented by like larger corporations and companies. And then I always thought there wasn't really like um, that many black owned um, companies that made like film and media and TV shows. Um, Cause um it wasn't that, you know, I used to go and sort of try and get things commissioned or anything. I just thought there isn't, who do I go to that kind of mirrors myself, but older and has more experience or someone who's, you know, that we can sort of collaborate and, you know, have like an understanding of the, the stories that I would tell. Um, and then that's kind of why I started running films um, to sort of create a hub that we could create um, films and TV shows that, representative and also um, could also break stereotypes and sort of make things that are kind of you know just new age and that fun like I always like to entertain and um, that's why I sort of made that sort of boutique company to sort of you know just entertain the masses but from um, you know underrepresented voices. So the thinking about the un- underrepresented voices how is it you work differently in order to support people to get involved in your projects my dynamic is how we work is i like to have people who are very established in the industry and then team them up with people who have no experience but are very talented and then bridge that gap so you've got people who have worked on like you know um big hollywood movies or like big tv shows or you know like musicians who have charted and then team them up with amazing talent um, who haven't got opportunity or haven't got the guidance um, for a number of reasons, um, even 
them being like ex-criminals or they haven't got the funding to study um, film, TV or um, acting or um, just haven't got a, a notion of how to get into the industry. And um, those people who haven't got that opportunity, I like to team them up. They have to have the talent, of course, um, with the, with this talent and create um, films and TV shows. That's sort of what we like to do. Um, and I'll specifically home in on um, people from uh, black and minority backgrounds and um, also like young black women as well. Um, and, you know, like um, people who haven't got like a large voice in um, our country or in Europe. Um, just because you know there's not a lot of people that do it and the people that I believe that'll do it they, they don't really care about it but I think because I come from that world and I come from that background that I do sort of care about it and I sort of care about people having the platform to express themselves and to have the best opportunity to create and grow. And do you think there's a difference between visibility and representation when we're talking about um, breaking stereotypes and telling stories? in terms of hyper-visibility not always being a good thing? Do you know what? Like, I think there's a space for stereotypes. I do believe there is a space for stereotypes. I guess negative and positive because it kind of shows, like, the history and also, like, the narrative that people actually show and express day-to-day. So we can learn from that. Um, But also I always believe in a balanced stereotype and visibility on sort of different cultures and races. Um, because, you know, we we do need, um, I guess, narratives that sort of just do, do change the typical narrative that we see today. Um, so when you talk about visibility, it's like it's important to have, like, I think both, um, because I know there was, like, a, a lot of things that are happening after the BLM movement of ripping down a lot of, um, I guess, art, culture, TV shows, films that were deemed as, like, racist, but if they're not there, then how are we going to know not to make those same mistakes twice? So you're talking about um, on-screen and behind-the-scenes opportunities for people. Um, When you're developing a new project, how soon do you start to think about creating those opportunities in the sort of the production chain? How how quickly are people involved in things? We're continuously involved. I work quite closely with a charity called Inside Success, which um, they help over 4,000 young people around the country, mainly in London, um, but they are um, expanding. Um, and then we continuously um, are involved in like workshops, um, training um, opportunities every month um, for either they want to sort of be presenting or creating their own shows or being cameramen or writers or researchers. Um, so we're actively involved in sort of like um, spinning that wheel and then giving those opportunities and letting them grow um, from production to production. Our larger productions, we always have like a space sort of between eight to ten people to work behind camera and in front of camera as well. Um, and they go through um, extensive workshops to get them ready and geared up for it, almost like a boxer when they train for a match. Um, so it's kind of like like we've always had that in us. We, I've, I've been doing it since I've been training young people since I was young. So I feel like it's just like a natural thing for me to be be able to give people my experience and my knowledge. Not like I know everything, but I have got like boss knowledge in sort of production, making films, making music, um, creating um, different types of projects. 
Um, and what do you think is the biggest barrier for like young people from maybe marginalized communities who want to go into the screen industries? Do you think it's a case of lack of access or experience or just not having the language to articulate that dream, not knowing that it's an option for them? Um, I believe it's just knowledge. Um, you know, people can say like, yeah, I want to do this. But if you haven't got the knowledge or you haven't got mentors, or you haven't got someone to ask those questions or direct you, then it's impossible it's impossible for you to get to the next stage um the only next stage you can get to is probably like just hard work but like if you don't know like or you haven't got a vision of that hard work or where that goes then it's hard for them to get to the next stage or to excel in um um the work that they want to do um but i believe there's it's, it's like multiple problems you know it's kind of you know it's like lack of opportunities um lack of that knowledge um i think the biggest barrier is actually the system that's in place between education and employment um because there isn't that many um media gaps or there isn't actually that many gaps for people to um go from even university to being a professional um and i think there needs to be kind of a little bit of a restructure or rethink on that front um because i really believe there's it's like it's tweaks and then you know you really get the best out of um people from like backgrounds of um black and asian minorities um from that um access or that sort of bridge um but also like yeah it's probably like you know just racism as well really that's quite a, a big white um stopgap from it um i know people don't like to mention it but it is like you know if you look at like on, on my sets like usually if i'm not picking the crew there won't be many um people from you know like black minorities or, or you know from, from black race on set I, I don't i don't think i don't think it's like it's on purpose i just think because um it's it's like knowledge from the other side because you always get people asking myself like oh do you know an actor who is uh black 15 years old or 18 that can play this role or do you, do you know a black girl who can play this role it's like people are out there but it's like you know if you don't know where to go or how to um you know get to you know a certain community then it's it's it could be deemed as difficult but you know it's, that's it's, it's, it, I haven't got all the answers for it, but um, you know, I think a lot of people like don't really try to to sort of come out of their comfort zone as well in this industry. Well, that's a really interesting point, isn't it, about comfort zone, and that comes up often in the, these sorts of conversations about people go with what they know and with the familiar, and and you were talking before about you know tweaks to the system uh, and the ways that people do things small impactful changes that can have actually a really big uh, knock-on effect and start to implement some culture change and shift in the way that people pe people do things off the back of the work that you've done and supporting people to uh, to train as you put it and to have experience can you share some of the sort of success success stories that you might have have of how people have come through what you've done and, and moved on into other things yeah sure um yeah, I've done, you know, I did a, a short film with um, a group of guys who you could deem them as like um, 
because they were like you know they come from like a, a gangster culture or background gang culture um so swapping that from actually becoming actors models and um, filmmakers so that was like five years ago now they've gone on to do great things with like um big artists and big designers around the world um and one of them studied and went back to universities and went to film school um and now he's a filmmaker a writer so um that's just like one success story i've got others who um they've been in my my short films or they've been in one of my feature films or online tv shows um and they've gone on to sort of being on now on radio now doing other professional broadcasting um tv shows um recently got an agent um um yeah there's there's there is that like multiple stories um of people who you know i sort of handpick and see they've got talent and they're going off and making their own content um being successful at it um and also building and making a career out of, of the opportunities that I've given them as well and I'll just always, like keep, keep up to date with them and give them knowledge and try and put them on into different um, situations that they can go off and sort of build to the future for themselves as well it's so encouraging to hear that sort of story um just going back to the the, the first example that you gave there um breaking away from a kind of gang culture to move into education and into training and a, and to break away from um, that kind of lifestyle or the influences of that sort of culture um, through creative opportunities. It might sound to somebody who hasn't had the experiences of, su of supporting that kind of journey for somebody, that might sound really difficult. And you talked before about how you've been doing this since you were young and um, as somebody that works in the same kind of field in a different part of the world, um, but the principles are, are really similar, there is a lot of skill and a lot of um, uh, learning that you do just by virtue of the fact that you're doing work in the way that, that you are. What kind of things could you share to people listen, listening to this about approaching um, working in a way that enables that sort of change? Is it just about creating an opportunity and allowing someone to be sort of the best version of themselves or is there more to it than that? I believe, um, you know, if you're um, in a position to help, do so. But I also believe like, you know, film is like the, art, it's like the last art form. So by building um, on the last art form, you can build for the future and it's all about building for change as well. Um, and I always think like, you know, if you use like art, it can be very powerful in many ways, not just in front of the camera, but behind. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I completely agree with that. Shakira, I know you've, I know you prepared some questions for, uh, to, for this conversation with Sheridan. Is there anything on your list of questions that maybe doesn't fit with where the conversation is at the moment that you wanted to get in? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this might be quite a daunting question, but is there any, like, what specific change do you want to see in the screen industries within the next five years? I feel like there's a lot of change happening because of the conversations that are are, are happening right now. So from the conversations that have been happening this year, uh, hopefully we will see change in the future. 
Um, Because I'm hearing like a lot of conversation and I hear a lot of announcements like recently, things like the BBC of injecting 100 million into, you know, diversity and um, programming and black commissioning. Um, So hopefully we will see like an active change. Um, I think what will be really interesting and really dynamic if we can see these changes from, I guess, a television and film um, perspective is, if the larger corporations start um, financing um, black-owned companies um, to create film and television over the next five years, that would be huge. Um, And I think that would be, like, um, you know, like, quite impactful. Um, And then same for, um, you know, these film companies, if they could start doing the same, like, commissioning um, black-owned companies. And not just like a, a black filmmaker or um, put black people in front of on screen because you see you, you see a lot of that anyway. Um, I would like to see more of that as well. Um, but I think what's more important is like the infrastructure. Um, if we can see a lot of like business and economic change, then we, we would see like a lot of growth within our communities because I feel like um, those companies like. For, like more black owned companies would probably um, give back to our communities um, where being um, putting more um, people who haven't got the opportunities in front and behind camera and also that will have like a ripple effect um, for the culture in the next 10 to 15 years, 20 years because um, you know I, I still read this um, very daunting fact that there's 0.8% black directors, producers working in the industry that's less than a person. So if we can get to one person, then that would be great in the next five years. Yeah, and I'd, actually that leads on to my next question. So do you think there needs to be more of an emphasis on the representation behind the cameras as well as in front? Um, and what, why do you think it's the case that we have more successful black or ethnic minority actors as opposed to cinematographers, producers, directors, writers? Um I'm not saying it's easier to perform, but I feel like um, black artists in front of the camera, it's always been, it's, it, it, it comes naturally to, to to us. It's easy for us to entertain. And then black has always been cool, like every, every, since the beginning of time, you know, since the first drum that got hit. So um, for music, film, sport, it's always, you know, seen the black um representation on screen as an entertainer um but when it comes to you know these stories i just believe it's more difficult because it goes back to infrastructure and economics because a lot of the decision making and makers um won't understand these stories that a lot of these black filmmakers are trying to tell um so i don't think they would be commissioned because of a lack of understanding education because of these stories um, and also to change this narrative that has been embedded into um, our history and how we've been represented. So if you wanted to come with something different, um, the headline that would be hit would be, um, oh, but that hasn't been done before. How is it going to work? Um, it will only work if you allow it to work. So, um, you know, it goes back to like people with power um, because there's not a, a there's, there, there's definitely a lack of representation from the people that are allowed to make these decisions to change the narrative. So once that starts happening, 
then you would see like a big influx of directors and producers and writers and cinematographers um, who would be working behind the camera and who would be making those creative decisions that will hit our screens. On the Running Films website, there the uh, you lead. In fact, there's no mention of the kind of additionality to your work around supporting people from minority, black and minority ethnic communities or the sort of opportunity creation that you're talking about. It's you lead with the type of work that you want to do, you know, and, 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 and I understand why you would do that. And I, and I think I have an understanding of why you would do that, but is, was that a deliberate decision to not put that, to not lead with that um, and just be about the work that you're making? Yeah. Cause um, I think as a filmmaker and as a production company, we don't want to be seen as, um, as color. We just want to be seen as a creative, um, you know, it's kind of, I think it's, it's a, it's kind of like a thing where, you know, like, cause I don't really see, I don't see color as when I approach a creative, I just want to hear the story and want to see their work and that's it. Um, and I feel like that's what we want to be seen as, as a company that just makes creative stories. We don't want to be seen as making a black comedy. We want to be making a comedy. We don't want to see as making a black thriller and being seen making a thriller. And then our underlying work is just our conscious work that we just believe and feel we like to do because we feel like it's important. Because if we don't do it, I don't think a lot of other companies or individuals would actually do it. Um, so it's just like, you know, I guess we, we just like to, to, to help and to sort of give people the opportunities. Um, and, and it's important for these opportunities to be for people of like, all colours and races. We don't really generalise, but we do sort of actively help um, people from like black minorities and Asian minorities to sort of come to the forefront. When we spoke on the phone, Sheridan, uh, it's sort of setting up this interview, you talked a little bit about the work you've done um, to involve uh, people who are who are experiencing homelessness into your projects. Um, could you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, so um, it was it was basically like we we work with um, I was saying like a, a, a charitable charitable organisation called Inside Success, and they help young people, and some of the young people have gone through like hard circumstances and then um like their whole their their basic model is like they they let the young people create a magazine and they go and sell it on the street similar to um like a big issue um so it's like young people creating it for other young people and then they sell it and they have an income at the end of the day which they can sort of use to sort of live or bring the money home and to survive and sort of, you know, go to school and college um, afterwards. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, there was a few young people who were having tough times and they they didn't have a place to stay or somewhere to sleep. Um, and it's given them the opportunity to um, get back on their feet and to also, um, you know, survive really. Um, in When it comes to supporting inclusion in the sorts of projects we're talking about here you've mentioned a few times uh, uh, other op- other organizations that you've worked with and for 
let's say uh, a, a production company um, um, starting to develop a new project, wanting to do things differently, maybe feeling a little risk averse. It feels like to me from the conversation that we're having that actually developing partnerships with other organizations that can take away some of that or can mitigate against some of that, those, that feeling of risk and actually support um, inclusion through partnership with organizations that get this, maybe the stuff that uh, other people don't have experience of. It could actually be the way to go to starting to address some of these difficulties. Yeah. Um, like I, I think, I think it's like, well, like having a green light is like it's always a risk in it. Do you know what I mean? It's like everything, every every art form, every film, every TV show is a risk. No one knows it's, if it's going to blow up or not. Um, so, like I always say, why not? You know, put, you know, like put 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 people of, you know, um, underrepresented kind of voices or people from underrepresented backgrounds into a project because like it's not going to harm anyone not going to damage the quality of the the program or the film all it's going to do is give an enhancement and if it has any body of color or any storyline of color it will, you know you, you'd sort of enhance it because you have an authentic voice on set as well that you can sort of get a reference point from um so yeah i never see it as a risk um and i don't think these big bigger corporations should see it as a risk either if somebody doesn't have a lived experience of a, of, in a particular area, partnership working with folks that do um, allows people to sort of safely navigate through something that they might find tricky or just completely avoid. Otherwise. Yeah, sure. Like I'm, I'm always up for um, partnering with like large organisations and companies and giving an insight into inclusion and also, you know, helping them understand how to do it or giving them uh, a kind of a way to sort of change the way they're doing things not like badly but just you know just give them an option of you know maybe including some young individuals and people who have got um, good experience and to give them um, a fuller team um, and a team that kind of seems very more representative than teams they've probably had before so yeah very much up for doing that well Shakira is there anything else on your questions you've prepared that you want to uh put to show uh yeah knowing now what you know about the industry and about filmmaking uh what advice would you give to your younger self my younger self um hmm, I'll probably say um to yeah don't don't be don't be fearful of anything it'll be all right uh, would your younger self listen to that advice maybe i, I <laughs> maybe <laughs> that was a good question shakira that was a really good question i'm glad you didn't ask me that um Okay. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast, Sheridan. Really appreciate it. And Shakira, thanks for coming and co-hosting with me. Um, if there are um, any links, um, or we'll put links to running films and any work that you want to share with people into the show notes for the episode. And um, 
uh, people can take a look at the work that you've been doing and and obviously contact you if they want to uh, find out more about what you're up to. Sure. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Steve. Thanks, Shigeru, as well. It's a pleasure, yeah. <laughs> the Screen Presence podcast is brought to you by Tape Community Music and Film in partnership with the BFI. Artwork is by Matt Canning and the music was written and performed through the Tape project, The Sound of Colour Orchestra. Post-production is carried out as part of Tape's Media Club, a project through which people from across communities work together and receive person-centred training on a range of creative activities, which in turn supports the development of new work and ideas. <laughs>